I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my all right, another week on the Made for March podcast. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky, and we've got a lot to talk about this week, Ty. There is tons of college basketball news that is going around. All the hoopla about scheduling to get to. We will, of course, get into Chris Mack and his rant against John Calipari in Kentucky because what, what a else week is for college basketball coach social media? I'm just yes. gonna like there's that. We'll get to. I want to hit on some Leonard Hamilton stuff too. Oh, I know you got, do. He's got pipes from the gods, Tim. Pipes yeah. from the gods, and there's just so much awesome stuff right now happening. Yeah, I mean, what else is this podcast for besides us giving commentary on Leonard Hamilton singing and Chris Mack going on Twitter rants? I mean, th- this is like gold for us. I know the season yeah. hasn't started, but it really doesn't get much better. So we have a very very fun show planned. Please feel free to rate review subscribe now would be a great time to subscribe to the show because kind of every podcast after this is going to be us previewing the season probably maybe not every single one but we're going to get more into and there's some preview in this episode as well because college football is underway tim and right i know (laughs) i have i've taken the ap top 25 for college football and i have ranked them as basketball schools wow so for you. the upcoming season. So we're going to do that later. You you clearly have plenty of free time here in this corner. I think we have to do that. Doing. Once we get in season, we're going to have like a college football update, I guess. It, it, I don't know. We'll come. We'll sure. brainstorm like some better wording. But we take the football rankings and rank them as basketball schools. Yeah. If that no, makes I'm sense. No, I'm all for that. And uh, I'm excited for that because there are some kind of sneaky good basketball schools in the AP top 25 for football so far this year but as we get closer to november 25th the start date for division one college basketball will be keep pumping out the preview type podcast i know once uh bovada sportsbook releases their over unders for win totals for a lot of the power five teams which i'm hoping will be soon then i think we're, we're going to do a full pod on basically breaking down where we lean on the over under and what our picks are for a lot of these teams. So we're getting closer and closer to the season, but tons to discuss this week on the social media coaches front. I guess let's just begin with some scheduling notes right off the top, just in case anyone missed any of this stuff that's come out, because it feels like every day now, somewhere, some like someone like Jeff Goodman, Matt Norlander, John Rothstein, who have been great and been all over this, I mean, they must be saying the word MTE, which I guess isn't even a word, like five, six times a day at this point. There's just been so much news. And by the way, we were talking about this off the air. Like, since when did MTE become the way that we refer to these tournaments? I pride myself on being able to to sniff out an acronym. All right. You you throw me an acronym. I can probably figure it out. I was lost. Absolutely lost on what MTE was. And I'm looking it up. Can't find anything there. But shout out to Jeff Goodman. He gave us our answer. MTE, multi-team event. Which is like, why do we even have to call it MTE? Can't we just call it tournament? I mean, Non-conference tournament. Yeah, there you go. Preseason tournament. PT. NCT. Right. Essentially, a lot of schools, 
uh, there's been a lot of different reports. I guess a lot of the stuff hasn't been totally confirmed, but like Duke, for example, they back out of the battle for Atlantis, and now we find out that they want to host an MTE, as everyone is calling it, at Cameron Indoor, and it does look like that is pretty much official now, I think. I know several people have reported it, that it's going to be, I think, Howard, Elon, and one other smaller school who I apologize if Anyone out there went to that school or anyone knows what I'm talking about because I completely forget what the other school is. But it's kind of like Duke and three other teams that they should beat and they're going to do an MTE at Cameron Indoor. And then, like, I know Kansas State announced that they're probably going to do an MTE or at least maybe I shouldn't say they announced, but reports are indicating that. There are, like, all these MTEs popping up and I think that's just, like, it, it just bugs me because why can't we just say, oh, Syracuse is going to host a tournament. Duke is going to host a non-conference tournament instead of having to come up with some acronym that no one really understands what the meaning is. Word economy, Tim. Word economy. It's, yeah. Listen, Twitter only gives you 240 these days. It used to only be, what was it, 140 back in the day. Back in my day, there there was only 140 characters on Twitter. You could only do, what was it, like a minute 40 of video on Twitter. But now... right. With 240, the, these journalists who pride themselves on word economy have have shrunk it down to a point where we don't even know what they're talking about half the time. We can yeah. infer, we just don't know. <laughs> yeah, good thing that Chris Mack had more than a minute 40. I don't know if he went that much longer, but he definitely needed I all the time. I just watched it back again. I believe it was 210, maybe 209. Okay, yeah. We're, we're going to get to Chris Mack, but uh, a couple other things on the scheduling front. Gonzaga Baylor is are going to play which is awesome because that's pretty much one versus two or somewhere close to that what it seems like the preseason polls will shake out to be that's going to be on December 5th a neutral site game Virginia and Florida are going to play Virginia is going to be probably a top five team Florida a top 25 team that will be at Mohegan Sun on November 27th so really close to when college basketball starts firing up and that's the first meeting between those two schools, or will be the first meeting between Virginia and Florida. So two exciting games to look out for there. And then a big MTE that has kind of become through the ether and sourcing and all that is out now. We know in Lincoln, Nebraska, there's going to be one. Nebraska is basically hosting it. And it's going to have LSU, who backed out of the Gotham Classic, Northern Iowa, Nevada, Illinois State, and Cleveland State. And there's rumors that more are going to be added because the fee to enter this Lincoln, Nebraska MTE per school is lower than other schools. And that was reported by John Rothstein. I guess Elevate Hoops is going to be hosting that event. I had never heard of Elevate Hoops. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Ty. Nope. But but anyway, that that's going to be a big MTE in Lincoln, Nebraska that has popped up. And I think I saw Dayton will replace Duke and the... Battle for Atlantis turned Sioux Falls event. So that'll still be a good field because obviously we love the Flyers. You got West Virginia there. You got Ohio State, Texas A&M, and a couple other good schools that I'm probably forgetting. So uh, Jeff Goodman reported Dayton will replace Duke on that front. But that's kind of the scheduling stuff that kind of popped up. And I'm sure we'll be updating scheduling as we go along here on this thing. But let's let's stop delaying the inevitable here and and get into the meat of this of this podcast, which is Chris Mack going against Kentucky. What was your like initial reaction to to seeing that video that popped up? When I saw Chris Mack start to lay out the receipts, whether it's 
There's foot, our football programs are switching dates. Uh, ESP, you went to you being Coach Cal went to ESPN to try to move one of our ACC games. All these other scheduling conflicts that are no longer conflicts, and basically just making Cal look like a coward this yeah. entire time and look like he doesn't want to actually play against Louisville. He did an awesome job of laying out all of the receipts. But then he kind of killed all his credibility at the I end. Know. He says, best rivalry in college basketball. Yeah. Come on, man. This it's isn't a rivalry. <laughs> it's, I mean, look at the past decade, all right? The Cardinals are 2-11 and 11 against UK. And one of those victories has been vacated. So the record books show them as 1-11 and 11 against UK in the past decade. That's not a rivalry. It's not. Rivalries mean that even in the worst of years for one side, they are still in the games. So, no, this is not a rivalry. It's, well, I guess it's technically an in-state-ish rivalry, but I, I no. Coach Mack, you did a good job up until the end. Although I will say, I mean, I can say all I want about the the best rivalry. I like that he's stirring the pot, though. Yeah. I'm very happy that he's, he's doing trying that. to make it and, a big rivalry. Yeah, and listen, this is a game that still should happen. Makes a lot of sense logistically for it to be one of the premier matchups on the on the calendar because you've got a couple of really good teams, one out of the ACC, one out of the SEC. It's a game that happens every year. It should happen again. And I think it is pretty damning some of the stuff that he is saying in regards to to coach Cal and the stuff that uh, it looks like he's trying to do to butt out of this uh, matchup here because yeah. it is going to be one of the tougher games for for Kentucky. And I don't know. I think uh, I think e- even though he kind of shot himself in the foot, Coach Mack kind of shot himself in the foot saying that best rivalry stuff, I still think his argument holds a lot of weight. And I definitely want to see this game happen even though it's not much of a rivalry. But hey, maybe this is one of those years where... Things are a little out of sync out in Lexington. I don't know. I think the Wildcats will probably win this game. I'm not going right. out and, and making a prediction here on October 6th for it, but it's it's one of those weird seasons where maybe the continuity is going to help a little bit more. It seems like the big contention point between Coach Cal and Chris Mack is that Chris Mack does not want to have to play the game in Louisville considering he doesn't want to have to burn a home game in this rivalry where where you play one at home and then one on the road and every other year it rotates. He doesn't want to have to burn a home game when they don't have fans or they'll have limited fans and it won't be nearly what it could be next year in Rupp Arena where there's like 20k fans. So essentially, and I kind of get that like on on one hand, I do agree with Chris Mack in that regard because well, it's also Kentucky. Like there yeah. could be fans. Yeah, I mean there there probably will be some fans, but there's I mean, the no NFL way it's across be the normal. country. It feels like they're they're opening up this week. I sure. saw what the Steelers are moving to fifty five hundred. I think yeah, a bunch I mean that's of outdoor stadiums though, are. So um, well, even some of the indoor ones like the Colts, they're opening things up. It, yeah, I think the Falcons right. are doing some stuff too. And they've got a dome. I, New Orleans, uh, maybe New Orleans is doing something. I can't yeah, be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the Cowboys have had fans every single week. So I, I don't think that this whole dome versus not dome thing is is going to be a, a big drawback to potentially opening things up. And again, so much can change between now and that game is probably going to, if it is played, 
will be in December. So yeah, December twenty sixth between now what, and then. Right. Cal responded in a tweet right after Chris Mack posted that video, and it's not official, but he basically said, "See you December twenty sixth. Can't wait." And I mean, it seems like connecting the dots that that was in response to Mack and his video and sort of hyping up that game. So obviously I do hope that they figure out that game, but I don't know, getting back to the fan thing. So Mac is concerned because they went to Rupp Arena last year. They lost as they normally do. And they played against a packed house. And now a year where it's supposed to be a Louisville home court advantage and it evens out. Louisville is not going to have nearly the amount of fans. So he was basically saying, can we make it a neutral site game? Because I know Kentucky football is doing the same thing, or at least that's what he said in the video. He said, never mind the fact, which, I mean, how many times did he say, never mind the fact in that two minute yeah, drink every time video? he says it. Right. Right. Which is, I, I don't know. That was, that was pretty funny how he kept going back to that one phrase but he said never mind the fact that bob stoops agreed to move kentucky louisville and football to a neutral site but oh we can't do it in basketball so it seems like cal just held his ground on that and then like chris mack i mean cal has all the leverage because chris mack can't be the louisville coach that says i'm backing out of the kentucky game so I'm happy that he sort of aired it all out in this Twitter video, but you're right. I mean, Cal kind of wins this argument because he has the leverage and he's still going to get, uh, basically, he's going to get to play Louisville on the road where they don't even have nearly the same amount of fans and Mac's not going to get his wish of playing a neutral site game. Right. And, and let's be honest, even if this is played, or, well, if this game is played, how much is this going to sway anything tournament-wise? There's no reason for either side to back out of this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a rivalry in terms of the long-standing. I believe Kentucky owns the all-time record at 37 and 15. So the length of the of the and the amount of games played, I would say, constitute it as a rivalry. But it's the uh, the disparity that you say, okay, not really a, a rivalry. I mean, it, it's like the it's like Alabama versus the Citadel. Like you play the game every year, it seems like, but it's not really a rivalry in college football. So when I when I read into all of that, I just think this game's not gonna make or break your tournament hopes on either side. So let's just play the game. Let's move on. Yeah, and I hope that we just get more and more of these games to happen because obviously it's going to be just twenty seven games maximum for these teams. Now we know. Only seven out-of-conference games maximum. So the Champions Classic in those type of games seem like that they're happening. That's why I was excited to see the Gonzaga-Baylors and the Florida-Virginia-type meetings because it does seem like we're still going to get a lot of top 10 teams and top 20 showdowns before the calendar flips, which is exciting. So just to clarify, this is what John Calipari said to the Louisville Courier-Journal. He said, Chris and I have talked and expressed his concerns While I understand the difficulty and complications created by the pandemic, we are prepared to come to Louisville to play this season under the previously agreed-upon terms, and we fully expect Louisville to honor the agreement with the return game to Rupp Arena next season. So, I mean, I can't blame Cal. Like, he's, like I said, he's in the leverage spot, and it seems like 
they're going to play at the Yum Center on December 26th. And yeah, like boo-hoo for Louisville that they lose some fans, but Cal's kind of got a point there. And if I was Cal, I'd probably do the same thing. Absolutely. I, I think this is this is something it, like college basketball. We, we kind of talked about this last year, too how sometimes it tries to NBA itself into the spotlight. I think this is just another example of that. Off-season, stir up a little drama, yeah, and, and then the game's going to get played. Right. Um, all right, so anything else to touch? I guess we could bring up Steve Forbes is making waves again on social media, and he basically came out and announced that ACC coaches voted to wear polos this year during games instead of suits, which, I mean... Like, I feel like if you go to polos, they're just not going to switch back at this point. And I don't really see why it should be polos this year compared to suits. But kind of funny that Steve Forbes, again, is out there. He hasn't even been the weight coach for, what, like a couple months now? And he's already, like, going after Kentucky with the whole Olivier Czar thing. And then he he's making that announcement on Twitter. So he's definitely getting Wake Forest into the spotlight, which, again, is kind of like what you're saying where... It's the offseason. You want to just get your team name and team brand out there a little bit. I mean, Steve Forbes, put him on a ballot this year. I mean, he goes in there <laughs> and he gets things done right away. Um, but no, I, I, I've i always been very perplexed of why coaches wear suits. I mean, just look at the NBA bubble. Look how relaxed these guys yeah. are. Except for Quinn Snyder, who's he's got his, his skinny jeans on all the time. But hey, you do you, Quinn Snyder. But everyone else, I mean... You look at Frank Vogel, you look at Jason Kidd, you look on the other side with Eric Spolstra in the NBA Finals right now. It's just a more relaxing thing. You don't need the suit. I mean, Huggy Bear's been ahead of this entire thing yeah, the, he has. the entire time. <laughs> he's been wearing not even a polo. Like He's probably scoffing at the fact that these coaches are going to be wearing polos. He He's going full windbreaker, all right? Every single game since I, I can't even remember when. So Bob Huggins has been way ahead of this curve, and more power to him, but... I like this move for for the ACC. I mean, Roy Williams, that man doesn't need a suit, all right? His tailor is going to be pissed. Coach K's tailor is going to be pissed. Jim Beheim's tailor is going to be pissed. But at the end of the day, they just look way more... Like, why can't we treat everything like Maui, huh? Like, Maui is one of the greatest things that happens in college basketball. Let's just kick our feet up, polo it up, and... We're good to go from there, all right? Yeah. Uh, that, that, the polo is the way to go. I'm sure uh, Jim Beheim, like, he, he's not going to be able to rip off his jacket anymore. Right. Which I guess <laughs> is a little disappointing in that regard for from for some Syracuse fans because that actually sparked a lot of comebacks last year for the Orange. So the the jacket toss, I think it was, it was even made into, like, a metric on some of the blog sites covering the Orange, too. So yeah. <laughs> that's something that I'm sure they will miss dearly, but... Well, is there like a a tearaway? Like Jim Beheim always has like the zip up, like a too, Superman type thing. <laughs> yeah, like can he? I don't know. Or or does he trendset? Does he go jacket over the polo? Like we've yeah. seen some of these coaches just trendset in in that regard. So maybe that's Beheim's way of trendsetting. I don't know. But it might be too hot on the dome for that. Yeah, because <laughs> we've I've been in there. Been effect or i've always been a proponent of the fact that coaches should also be wearing some sort of affiliation with the school and not just matching up your tie colors okay have a little logo on there with the polo i I think it works best in football i mean the baseball managers have the full-on uniforms i'm not saying you need to go out there in a tank top and shorts for all these different acc coaches or, or coaches across the country even but 
I always think that you should have some sort of affiliation to your team on on your your uniform as a coach. And hockey doesn't do it, and and basketball doesn't do it. And I think they both should. Yeah, that's a good point. So, which coach to you is like? Uh, and we need like Bovada to come out with odds on this. But are there's so many different ways you could go with some of the stuff that has come out this week? But which coach to you has the best odds of just completely like disregarding the polo thing and showing up in a full suit for the first game in the ACC, I guess, because that's the only school or conference that we know of so far. Roy Williams. Yes. No doubt. I was going to say that, that guy too. does. He has like, I all can't these different see him. Endorsements right. He's got the Peter Clo- Millar. Peter yeah. Millar. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Okay. So he's yeah. got all those. Although I think Roy, he needs that Carolina blue polo or even like the white polo with the Carolina blue pipings and stuff like that. It would look great. And yeah. I think he would be the one that would shy away from it. I don't think Kay would back out of it too heavily. I don't think Beheim would back out of it too heavily. Not because Beheim's team... a golfer, so he's got yeah, tons of polos. Yeah, and they're both Team know. USA guys, too. And Team USA right. always does the polos and stuff like that. Um, Leonard Hamilton, I think, would comply with it. Yeah. Uh, Tony Bennett, oh, for sure. He's he's rocking a, a Virginia polo. Right. Um, Although I'm sure a lot of a lot of people would want him back in the suit, um, I'm just trying to go through some of these other. Uh, Josh Pastner, I could see him rocking a polo. I don't. Yeah, think Josh Pastner. Josh Pastner probably rocks a polo underneath his his jacket already. Um, right. I'm trying to think. Uh, going through some other ACC schools here. So who's the um, one that would maybe jump to the the Huggy Bear level? Maybe Steve Forbes, like he just like oh yeah comes out and doesn't care whatsoever and is rocking like a full sweatsuit because I think we might get there on a couple. Coaches. I mean, what about Maybe we've already seen? Yeah, I mean the Rebels. I mean, how about Chris Mack? Chris Mack, I could see doing it. Yeah, um, Larinaga. Larinaga, I think is someone who would opt for the suit. Right, old fashioned guy. Yeah, <laughs> old school. Yeah, yeah. Larinaga, I'm keeping my eyes on you. I gotta in, say, Chris Mack. My opinion of him, like, he might have changed my opinion of him more drastically than anyone else in this quarantine period. Not that I didn't, maybe I was just off on and and didn't really pay attention a ton to him, but I would not have pegged him as one of my top 15 coaches to go on Twitter and post like a selfie video ranting and airing out that type of dirty laundry and and all the the rivalry nonsense that he talked about with Kentucky and just the manner in which he did it and how he's also gone on social media and been like, let's make it happen. Louisville, like bring your team to this. I don't think he said MT, but essentially that's what he was advocating for Louisville to have. So I don't know, like what did you think of Chris Mack six, seven months ago? Because I just thought he was like a standard coach in the ACC. Now I'm like pretty in on Chris Mack. His stock's way up for me. I'm, I totally agree with you there. I think with Chris Mack, he was a guy who you just he was like a good coach, but you're not like putting a ton of stock into him as one a of the characters of college yeah. basketball. Yeah, but now he has kind of elevated in that regard to being a guy that people I think are going to gravitate towards, and I, especially the Louisville fan base. And you kind of have to do that when you're a newish guy on the block in that regard. So. I I like I like Chris Mack a lot. I don't know where I'd place him in the the character list of of ACC coaches. I mean, we know Leonard Hamilton's number one. He right. goes out on getting interviewed on the news this past week, 
and they ask him to to sing a couple bars of I don't even know what kind of music it was, but he goes out and just unleashes on on local television and shows off the pipes. He was fantastic as usual, but Leonard Hamilton by far and away number one. And then I mean, you just got the the old man's club with Bayheim, Larinaga, Coach K, Roy Williams. Yeah, and they're kind well, of Leonard all in a, a cluster of their own. Should be in that too. He just yeah, he's but he's somehow not. as old as he's them, just, but he's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've got Tony Bennett as like the young up and comer kind of dude. Uh, and, and I think Chris Mack may, may he may have jumped the old man's club. He may have jumped yeah. the old man's club. Yeah, he's definitely like he's a blossoming personality on the college coaches front, which we need more of those. And also, I really do feel like if you're a college coach coming up right now, I mean, unless you're just like super proven, like these coaches that are in the old man's club, they don't need to be personalities because they can just flash like, oh, I'm in the Hall of Fame and here are my national titles. And here's here's what I would say. Here's the barometer that you have to set. Would Chris Mack have a spot in the old Big East with the guys like Louie, mm. Roley, Bayheim, JT3. Like, is there a spot for Mac among all those guys? Like, you're saying just as credentials? Would he have fit in? Yes. Or is, Not yet, I guess, then. Because that's but in terms of the elite. characters, the characters of the old Big East. I guess that's what I'm spot? saying is, I Would didn't think so before, but now, I mean, that was like the funniest college coach video i've seen in a while like that was awesome what he did i mean yeah it it was it made me like laugh out loud so i guess what i'm saying is if you're a recruit you would rather play you kind of have to have some personality as a coach now i'm sure all these coaches do like jeff capel we know like he gets big time recruits because he just seems like kind of a fun guy that you'd like to hang out with but if you're not in that elite club of the old man's club as you were talking about in the acc why not show some personality? Like you've got to, like Steve Forbes is doing, you've got to be able to attract recruits to your program by just being like a player's coach, a fun guy to play for. And Leonard Hamilton has somehow mastered, like he's got his feet in both camps and that's why we love him so much. You know, I just, I'm going to change my answer on the windbreaker. I'm changing it right here. Okay. Mike Bray. Oh man, that's true. Mike Bray's played in Maui way too many times to not be rocking a windbreaker. Right, that's a good call. We forgot about Mike Bray a little bit. Another great ACC coach, and we, we've really turned this into a podcast about ACC coaches, but let, let's get into your college football rankings that are college basketball, too, as well. You went through the AP poll this week. You've re-ranked... The AP football poll. Right, mm-hmm. the AP football poll, because we don't have anything for basketball yet, and obviously it's a weird AP football poll, but you have all 25 teams... You've reordered them based on how good they are as a basketball school in this current for the date upcoming season. Yeah, so okay. consider this like the preseason basketball poll of only AP top twenty-five football schools. If okay. that makes sense to you, so this is the part of the show where the Big East fans start to tune out and right. they're moving on to like <laughs> Titus and Tate now. But all right, let's get into first of all. What I realized from doing this is that there is absolutely no balance in college athletics right now. I mean, you're not seeing football and basketball schools like the the Florida rise in the late 2000s when they had Jokey Noah Al Horford and then, well, okay, I will get to them. And then you also had like the 
the Ohio State teams that were around there, oh, where right. they were like both powerhouses. You're, you're not getting as yeah. much of that. All right. So without further ado, I'll I'll go I'll go five at a time, and I'll start at okay. twenty five. So when I look when you look at the college football rankings from this past week, there's one team that stands out, and it's Louisiana. The the raging Cajuns. I mean, the raging. Yep. <laughs> I, I tried to. I tried my best. I'm thinking. All right. Can I not make them last? And not only did I not make them last, they're in my top twenty. So I will get oh, to them wow. in a second. Okay. So twenty five to twenty one. Here we go. At twenty five, we've got the Iowa State Cyclones, followed up by Georgia, Texas A and M, Notre Dame, Penn State. What do all of these schools have in common? They've lost a lot from the previous season. I mean, Iowa State's going to have a point guard drafted in the lottery with Therese Halliburton. Georgia might have the number one overall pick. Notre Dame lost its Mr. Everything. Probably should have been the ACC Player of the Year if he played on a better team in, in John Mooney. So all of those teams losing a chunk. I don't know how much you're you're keeping track of, of the college football scene and know what's to come here. But if you have any reaction to that, I can take it, or I can just move on to 20 through 16. I would say, is Louisiana Lafayette really worse at basketball this year than those teams you just mentioned? Like, I know you were trying, but Notre Dame, Penn State's probably going to be decent. I mean, they've been kind of on the rise a little bit. I I don't have, like, everyone's roster in front of me here, but those teams would beat Louisiana Lafayette. Well, not so fast, says Mr. Lee Corso. Louisiana, Lafayette, they check in at number 20 on the college football basketball rankings. And this is a team who is bringing in a transfer from Cal, Jacoby Gordon, top 100 prospect from a couple years ago. So fingers crossed he's going to be getting his waiver. I mean, they're handing out waivers like seedless watermelon on the fourth per John Rothstein. And (laughs) not only that, but they're bringing back almost everyone. Their top four scorers are back. Um, and, and pretty much they're only losing one major piece from a season ago. So Louisiana Lafayette, about 500 in the conference last year, and I think they could be in for a big year, and that's why I've got them at 20. And okay. you've seen the football team overperform. They had a big win. I'm trying. I'm blanking on who their big win was from a couple weeks ago in football, but Louisiana Lafayette, you check in at 20 on the college football basketball rankings. All right. 19 through 16, we've got Cincinnati, Auburn, Minnesota, and Clemson. Okay. I was wondering when you were going to say Clemson, because obviously they're number one in the college football poll, but, you know, Clemson is kind of the same school for the eternity of time at this point, I feel like. I feel like they're just going to be, like, pretty relevant in basketball, always get one lottery guy every five or six years, and that might even be asking a lot. I mean... They like we went through all those ACC coaches. We never mentioned Brownell, even though he's been there for what, like seven or eight years right. now. Like he's he's doing I started fine. to think Brownell's just, a guy who's gonna he's gonna not wear the jacket, he's gonna wear the, the shirt and tie. No jacket, but shirt and tie. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I just I it's almost like Brownell is just there. And, and I know that sounds like so mean. Maybe some but... Clemson uh like some Clemson paw cufflinks on the shirt too. Yeah, he probably will throw in throw in a touch like that. But yeah, that makes sense. Clemson will be decent. I mean, they'll probably be better than Notre Dame, so I'll give you that. Uh who else? Minnesota. I think they're gonna be pretty good this year, sneaking good. So I like their ranking. Um yeah, I mean I, I think we can keep moving on. I, I feel like 
a lot of these teams, you're right, though, there's not a lot of great football. The football is up and basketball The balance is, is not there. Yeah, nope. you're right. All right, 15 through 11. We've got BYU, Virginia Tech, SMU, Oklahoma State, which I had to throw in just because they're yeah, a Yeah, it's kind of a school. weird one. Right? Um, and then number 11, I've got Michigan. Okay. BYU, so they're 15 in both bullets right now. So maybe they are balanced. I mean, that's pretty solid, mm. even though this isn't yeah. like 15 in the college basketball AP Top 25. But yeah, I mean, I think those are all fair. Oklahoma State's a weird one because who knows what we're going to get from Oklahoma State this year, considering... I mean, they're not, they have no chance of making the tournament, so there's not a ton of motivation, but it seems like Cade Cunningham is, is still going to be really, really good. I, I hope that Oklahoma State still gets something out of this year because I do feel like it's a bummer. Now, obviously, they had the violations and they kind of did it to themselves, but think about if Cade Cunningham could make the NCAA tournament, that could completely alter. It's kind of like how we talked about the teams that were really good last year, like the Cranes and the Danes of the world that got robbed of getting a chance to sort of elevate their program to another level in an NCAA tournament run. It, it is a bummer that Oklahoma State strikes gold, gets this number one overall recruit, and you know the, the huge benefit of that is not so much that you get this kid for a year, but it's like, oh, maybe our program will become nationally relevant again and get into... Big 12 title conversation and be consistently in the NCAA tournament. And it seems like they're not going to reap those rewards because there's not going to, they have no chance of making the tournament. So I hope they still like make some strides this year though. Yeah. And that list right there too, we finally tap into teams that have listed odds on Bovada right now with Michigan and Michigan checking in at 1800. I've got them as the 11th best football basketball school but they're plus 1800 on Bovada right now because and and I'm a little surprised that they're that high like they're the 11th best team there and I've got them 11th best of just the football schools I thought that was a little high for them because I'm looking now and a lot of teams that I have ahead of them are behind them on the the Bovada listings right now so we will chug along here all right 10 through 6 we've got Miami Florida Ohio State, Alabama, and your UNC Tar Heels. All right. UNC could probably be a little bit higher. Maybe I'm just biased, but I mean, UNC is like, what other schools right now are peaking in both? And I guess UNC isn't I don't, peaking. That, okay, yeah, that's the thing is because you kind of fought me on this, like UNC, but are they peaking in basketball? Like there's a lot of unknown and they had a lot of unknown coming into this I mean, this yeah, year. they had like their worst year ever last year. And don't yeah, get me it, wrong. What, it wasn't good. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't say, that's why I'm a little, I'm, yeah. I'm a little more skeptical on UNC heading into this year. And I, I mean, Bovada, I'm looking at it right now in front of me. They're also a little skeptical. They've got them in a cluster of teams. Of, let me see, four teams that are all tied at, at twenty five hundred. You want to? Can you guess some of those other three teams? I don't even want to guess. Um, You're not going to be happy. Oh no! I would say like back into the top twenty five at that point. So maybe like a Florida or I don't know. No, just, they're they're a little they better lower? than Florida. It's Creighton, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Yeah, but I mean Texas Tech has proven a little bit lately. But 
Yeah, that, that's kind of a bummer. But for title because... odds, yeah, that's that's not where that's not the company you want to be in necessarily. Now, now you're maybe right. you're looking at that. Maybe you're spinning this your way as okay. Maybe there's a little value there at twenty five to one. Sure, but I, I probably will end up betting on that. But yeah, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is UNC. Now some of this is you know how the AP preseason polls work in college basketball. The blue bloods always get a little bit of a bump for sure. Granted, but UNC is going to be, in a couple months, a top 25 basketball school, probably even top 20, if we want to really give them the... I mean, they're going to get a bump, for sure, but they should be in the top 25, I think, regardless of the bump. And then, who knows where they're at in football? I mean, it's kind well, of... Well, here's what, how I'll phrase this to you. Are you more confident that their football team ends in the top 25 this year, or their basketball team? Well, their football team has played two games. They beat Syracuse, even though the first half was garbage. They gave away the ball and, and like tried to hand Syracuse the game. Then they beat BC. It was on the road, but they barely beat them. And BC's kind of like how BC is every year. And they've catapulted to number eight in the rankings, basically because of COVID canceling some of their games and them not really having a chance to falter and all these other teams ahead of them, namely in the Big 12, are losing. Auburn lost last week, Texas, Oklahoma loses again. So that's why they've jumped up, because they're winning. But they're, I mean, the football team has actually underperformed to preseason expectations, and they've gone up from, I can't remember what they were technically, because the AP poll has been so weird, because some of them factor in everyone, and now you have to factor in everyone again, because... Everyone is playing again, but now they're up to eight, which is, if you would have told me two two games into the season for them, they'd be up to eight, I'd be like, wow, they must be playing great, but it's actually because they've missed two games, and they haven't played that much, and a bunch of other teams have lost. So I would say probably I, basketball. I will say this. This has been, a, it was a little frustrating for me to make this, because there are a lot of classically good football schools that are just not good at football right now that aren't in the the AP top 25 you think of Oklahoma has fallen way out and yeah. then Florida State Baylor. is beyond the the cliff of relevancy right now it, oh, Baylor gosh, yeah. I think is another good one too uh, uh, Iowa isn't ranked right now I mean those are schools that would be way up there on this list you've got some that are kind of knocking on the door I think a little bit I, th I think I saw Virginia was kind of hanging around in the receiving votes category San Diego State I believe was pretty good last year if, if memory is serving me right. correct Houston has been a solid team from time to time, and these schools just aren't in it. So, all right, let me close this thing out now with my top five, all right? Okay. Number five, Oregon. Yeah. Even though the, the Pac-12 is going to be a little late to the party, they are still in the top 25, and they're a, a very, very good basketball school. Hey, 33-1 to 1 on Oregon. I'm just going yeah, to let, let that sit with you. I, I, yeah. Even though they lost Peyton Pritchard, uh, they still have a number of really good players coming back. There. Oregon has never let me down when I bet on them on Bovada. Like I, I think they are my most successful team. I remember there was one year where we really detail tracked like how how we do when we bet on each team. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I think we were betting yes, on do. Oklahoma with Trey Young a lot that year, and we just kept losing. And then we had this moment where we had to look ourselves in the mirror and be like. Okay, there's a reason why we need to stop betting on Oklahoma because and then Trae we got Young to the first good, round of the but... tournament and we said Rhode Island and it paid off. Yes, right, and that was the year that uh, um, Sister Jean and Loyola like really mm -hmm. paid off for us too because we were on them all year as well. So 
that's kind of fun when you track how a team does for you, not just against the spread purposes, because I would say Oregon is right up there for me in terms of all time. Well, they won you that uh, that Pac-12 tournament yes. bet that yeah. year, too. Right. So Yeah. I've always had good success in the conference tournaments, and then, I mean, I'll do good conference in the NCAA tourney, Tim. overall. Yes, yeah. right. Providence right. should have been another one. Remember that? Yes, Wait, yes. I remember that. Oh, man, that was, uh, a, that was a beautiful game. All right. Anyway, let's move on here. All right, we've got number four. They are not back in football, but they are still in the rankings. It is the Texas Longhorns. I've got them at number four on my Makes college sense. football basketball rankings. Number three. The defending national champions in football, LSU, the Tigers, one of the most talented teams in the SEC, are che- is checking in at number three on my college football basketball rankings. Okay. I, I, I mean, Will Wade is still cash and check. Will Wade so is Will Wade. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm all, so I'm guessing you have Florida left. We haven't heard Florida's name, right? Florida was number nine. You may, you may have oh. gotten mixed up because I said Miami than florida i should have clarified okay. i thought about clarifying oh. that in the moment but wow. i i yeah. opted not to number two actually number two and number one both have some of my favorite odds to win the tournament this upcoming season on bovada you've got number two the tennessee volunteers mm. at 22 to one wow. followed up by the number one team on my college football basketball rankings the wisconsin badgers 24 to one and oh, I didn't even know they that, were top 25 in football. I see. Okay, that, 16 in football, yeah. Yeah, that's a team that I think you need to keep your eye on for this year because I'm looking through the Big Ten right now and the odds that some of these teams are fetching right now. Iowa, the leader in the pack, followed closely behind by Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, and then Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's outside the top five in terms of the best teams in the Big Ten. I think they're much closer to three than they are to five. Or they're much yeah. closer to one than they are to five. So I really like the Badgers heading into this year. They return a lot, a lot of great pieces. Yeah, they were good last year, too. I, I liked their team last year. All right. And guess so what? That they, is... they still don't have Kobe King. And <laughs> they. I, I feel like that little curse that's lifted off of them and the fact that he's, I believe he's still in the conference with Nebraska is going to pay dividends down the road. Yeah. All right, so that is the first edition of the college football basketball rankings. Who had the best cumulative score? Do you know? Like, if you combine, or I guess the the lowest cumulative score, if you combine yeah, what their ranking here. was. I don't I don't have it off the top of my head, but I can look through. It's it might like be Clemson Wisconsin. No, yeah. it actually might be Wisconsin, since they're number one in the college football basketball rankings. And I don't have their their college football ranking in front of me right now, but I want to say they were like fifteen ish. Yeah, they so are sixteen. I think they're actually it might be Alabama. Alabama was seven. Yeah. So yeah, no, Alabama. Alabama is probably your your leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, and then Florida four and nine. That's pretty solid. Um, Clemson, I think you had them in like the teens, like late teens. Yeah, they were. Let me look. They're sixteen. Yeah, so they're they're tied with Wisconsin then with a total of 17. But you're right, not a lot of teams that are good at both sports right now. Like Miami peaking in football, but their basketball team's been kind of eh lately. Ohio State, uh, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they should have been a little bit higher on your list, but it's like 
they're not like in the prime of their basketball years like they were when you you were talking about earlier with uh yeah like oh seven oh eight oh yeah odin and there there mm-hmm. was definitely more of that like usc had some stretches where it was like wow usc is good at like every sport and now usc not so much especially on the football front they've kind of slipped but all right, that is the first edition of the college football basketball rankings. We'll probably have some fun with that and keep track as the season gets going. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Made Number Four March. We'll have updates on basically all the scheduling stuff, and we'll be back with you guys next week to recap some of that stuff, and then hopefully in the near term start talking about some more previews, get into our tears of joy because the season is coming. I know John Rothstein has been active on Twitter saying seven weeks, eight weeks. I don't know what the exact time frame is, but we're getting closer and closer, and we're excited for the season here at Made for March. So be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll have one for you every week. But for Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys next week. The game was over. 